welcome to Good Guy Grant's podcast. It's mad decent. And this is the Good Guy Grant podcast. I'm your host, Grant. A little Tuesday episode show coming up. I want to talk a little college football. I want to talk a little NFL. Uh, focus on a little, talk a little, probably NBA here and there, uh, and then look a little bit about, about what's going on in baseball. I wanted to first talk about uh, college football. Now, going into this week, we'll be on week three of the college football season. Uh, what's inter- interesting, though, is I want to talk about what happened this past weekend. For people that don't know, Oklahoma, who's in the Big 12, uh, they usually contend for uh, Big 12 championships. Uh, they had multiple quarterbacks win Heisman trophies the last couple years. Uh, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. Uh, Jalen Hurts was in the discussion last year, but ultimately did not win. Uh, but what Oklahoma did this past weekend, they played Missouri State um, at home. Of course, there weren't any fans or anything like that. The game was not on television, but check this out. Oklahoma put the game on pay-per-view for $49.99. You know what the final score of the Oklahoma-Missouri State game was? 48 to nothing. Yeah, 48 to nothing. Oklahoma was up by 41 at halftime. The fact that Oklahoma and their athletic department thinks it's okay to not only rip fans off from being able to watch this game. I know it wasn't you know, a big-time game. You know, Missouri State's not very good. Oklahoma's in the top five rankings. It wasn't like a top five matchup or anything like that. But game like this can be on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, you know, whatever. But the fact that Oklahoma, because they feel they're losing money because of COVID, and a lot of schools are, for instance, OSU right now is not playing. Uh, the fall sports program looking to lose about $100 million. Oklahoma is playing. They just don't have fans uh, in the stands right now. So they're getting some money in. Players are allowed to play. But to try to make up for lost money because of COVID, Oklahoma tried to get people to spend $49.99, so 50 bucks, to watch this game on pay-per-view. How is that? okay for your fan base to say hey we appreciate your support year in and year out you know going to the games uh spending you know gobs of money whether you know it's you know parking to concession stands to just the seat in general to be in the stadium so to give back we're going to charge you 50 dollars to watch this game online on pay-per-view now diehard oklahoma fans i'm sure they paid it you know ultimately they want to watch the game they don't want to miss a game i know the feeling i'm a michigan fan i don't like missing games uh but i would not spend uh, fifty dollars on a pay per view for this kind of game. I don't think I would spend honestly fifty dollars on a pay per view college football game at all, to be honest with you. And the fact that Oklahoma did it against Missouri State. Now Oklahoma has uh, redshirt freshman quarterback Spencer Rattler, who I think is going to be pretty good. Um, in the next couple years, I think you're going to hear his name a lot mentioned for the NFL. Uh, he was fourteen of seventeen, two ninety, and four TDs uh, in the game. But a 48 to nothing win by Oklahoma and the athletic department said, hey, you want to watch this game? 50 bucks. No other team in college football did that this weekend. No other college football team was like, you know what? We can make up some money. Let's go on pay-per-view. Only Oklahoma did that. And another thing Oklahoma did that I was not happy about, 
Lincoln Riley came out, he's the head football coach of Oklahoma, came out about a week and a half ago and said, we're not going to tell you anymore what kind of uh, COVID results we're having with our team anymore. He basically said, um, we're not going to tell you if anybody's positive. We're not going to tell you if anybody's negative. We're not going to tell you what the testing results are. So at the conclusion of this game, it was probably three or four hours after this game ended, there was reports that came out that said Oklahoma almost had to cancel this game because they had multiple players test positive for COVID-19 leading up to the game. Ultimately, they had the game. They were able to finish it. But for Lincoln Riley to come out and said, you know, we're not going to disclose that information anymore. What are you hiding? If you have positive COVID-19 tests on your team, who cares? Just release it. The entire world's going through it. It's not just you. And for you to be a pain in the ass and just say, you know, we're not going to release it to our opponents. We're not going to release it to the media. We're not going to release it to anybody. That's ridiculous. If I'm the NCAA, I would fine Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma every week that they don't release that information. If your opponent against Oklahoma, this should worry you. And the reason I say that is because you don't know if any of the players that are on that field were near anybody that's COVID-19 positive has COVID-19 because Oklahoma refuses to release that information. If I'm the NCA, I find Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma, the athletics department, week in and week out until they release that information. And if they do it, let's say three to four weeks down the line, and they keep doing it, you suspend their football season. If you're not willing to give out the rest of the information like every other school is doing, like for instance, Texas released, you know, how many positive tests they had. They don't have a problem with that. The SEC will do the same thing. Other conferences like the Big Ten are not playing. Of course, the ACC. Um, the ACC is having a little bit of problems because they have to have enough teams to, to um, play. They have to have at least eight teams that are able to play. Uh, with the University of North Carolina having so many positive tests, Virginia Tech's the same way. The ACC is in a little bit of trouble with in terms of positive testing. But for Lincoln Riley to come out and say, we're not going to release how many positive tests we had from COVID is absolutely wrong. And on top of that, Oklahoma charging people $50 on pay-per-view. And these are, I'm not saying they forced them to do it or anything like that. They gave them the option to spend $50 to watch a game. That the result turned out to be Oklahoma won 48 to nothing. That is absolutely absurd. Oklahoma... You are ridiculous. Your program is nothing but a bunch of sleazeballs who are all about money. And ultimately, I hope you lose multiple games this season or ultimately, honestly, don't even finish the season. Now I want to change courses a little bit, talk about a little bit, something a little more positive. The NFL started uh, last Thursday. Of course, you had the rest of the games um, Sunday and Monday, which was good to see. Um, after week one, uh, you're leading passing Yards person is Matt Ryan, 450 yards. Aaron Rodgers, number two, 364. Uh, Phillip Rivers uh, for the Indianapolis Colts at 363. And Russell Wilson, 322. That rounds up your top four. Uh, in terms of uh, running backs, top rushers, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the rookie for the Chiefs, uh, 138. You got Derrick Henry with 116. Uh, Benny Snell, who played last night for the Pittsburgh Steelers, had 113 yards. That's kind of interesting. I think they're going to share carries them and uh, James Conner. 
I think the Steelers are looking for a James Conner replacement, so that way they don't have to give them the big deal in the offseason. So um, I think it was a year or two they invested a, a middle-round draft pick on Benny Snell, so they want to look at him, see exactly you know how good he is and things like that. Um, so it's interesting to see that. Uh, as far as receivers, uh, in terms of yardage, uh, Julio Jones had 157. Uh, Devontae Adams for the Packers had 156. And DeAndre Hopkins, who Bill O'Brien traded away to the Arizona Cardinals, got 151. And then Calvin Ridley for the Atlanta Falcons, 130. Um, your leading uh, sack person uh, after week one is Ryan Kerrigan uh, for the Washington football team. He had two. And then uh, Danico Autry, actually, for the Indianapolis Colts, had two as well, with Marcus May placing the secondary for the Jets, had two. What I want to talk about in the NFL is, um, for anybody who don't know, uh, my family, all of them are big-time Browns fans except for myself. I'm a Cowboys fan. I was pretty disappointed, honestly, on Sunday night watching the Cowboys game. But I watched the Browns game on uh, Sunday. Um, I have an NFL Sunday ticket. Uh, don't ask me how I have it. I don't pay for it. Um, but so I get all the games, NFL games, week in and week out. Um, I watched the Bengals game actually at the four o'clock game, uh, which was a pretty exciting game. But talk about the Browns for a second. What is going on with Baker Mayfield? You know, the Browns uh, invested a first round pick in him a couple years ago. This was the year that he needed to prove that he is the franchise quarterback in order for them to give him a big time extension. Uh, coming out week one, uh, Baker Mayfield looked awful. Um, the Browns lost. Ultimately, they got crushed uh, by the Baltimore Ravens, uh, 38-6. to um, Baker Mayfield, 21-39, 189. Uh, one touchdown, one interception. That one interception actually should have been a couple of them. Uh, the Ravens players actually dropped a couple. But the fact that the people that defend Baker Mayfield crack me up. So I saw a couple of these posts actually on social media after the game. Um, they basically make excuses saying that, you know, this is a tough game, uh, week one matchup for Baker Mayfield, you know, with the way the Ravens played and everything. The Ravens offense looked exactly the same as last year. They still have Lamar Jackson. They still have Mark Ingram. They still have Hollywood Brown at wide receiver. They still have Mark Andrews. The offense is exactly the same. The Browns played the Ravens twice last year, so they know this offense. But people defend Baker Mayfield, and it's it's not everybody on the Browns fan base that does it, but a decent amount will like come up with excuses on why Baker Mayfield's struggling. Oh, the Browns have had multiple coaching changes. You know the the front office is not that great. Blah blah blah. These are the same players that were on last year's team. He had an entire off season. Now it was kind of cut short due to COVID, but players were allowed to work out secretly, um, privately. Excuse me. Um, so you had Baker Mayfield working out with Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb in the offseason. Um, but for the Browns to have this many weapons and Baker Mayfield still continues to struggle, the excuse has got to stop for people defending Baker Mayfield. He's not a franchise quarterback, in my opinion, right now. Uh, he does not deserve that long-term extension that the Browns could offer him after this season. You put two 1,000-yard receivers for him, you bring in a tight end in Austin Hooper. You draft David Njoku a couple years ago, first-round pick tight end, who actually looked the best, honestly, this past Sunday in terms of players. Uh, now, ultimately, he did get hurt, and he is out for the year. Um, you have a decent uh, third receiver in Hollywood Higgins. 
Um, and then you have 2,000-yard running backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, you invested in the offensive line with Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin. So what is the excuse for Baker Mayfield to not come out and ball out? He had uh, balls getting tipped at the line. He was overthrowing receivers. Uh, he did throw that pick on the first opening series. But for people to come up with an excuse and say, well, it was a tough offense to kind of go out against week one. The Ravens did nothing different. They are a running football team. They had 30 carries, 107 yards uh, on the ground for the Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 20-25, 275, and three touchdowns. For people that are, you know, were shitting on Lamar Jackson when he first came out saying he can't throw, he can't do this, he'll never make it in the NFL. All he's done is lead his team to the playoffs. He's got an MVP, and then he comes out week one as 20 of 25 for 275. And on top of that, he had 45 rushing yards. Lamar Jackson was drafted in the same draft as Baker Mayfield. The only difference was Baker Mayfield was the number one overall pick. Lamar Jackson was picked last in the first round. The Baker Mayfield lovers need to get off this making up excuses for Baker Mayfield. Freddie Kitchens is not there anymore. It's Kevin Stefanski as your head coach. You can't blame Freddie Kitchens. He's not there anymore. You can't blame the fact that there's new people on the on the team. You still have the same wide receivers. You still have a tight end and David and Joku. You have two thousand yard backs. The love for Baker Mayfield, I get I get so tired of hearing it. Because the people that back Baker Mayfield and say he's like good and you know the Browns are not putting him in a situation to win will turn around and basically crap on Sam Darnold and the Jets. Because Sam Darnold was drafted the same year. So it was Baker Mayfield, um, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, all in the same draft. The difference is, if you put Sam Darnold in the Browns' offense, I honestly think Sam Darnold will put up better numbers. Look at the Jets' wide receiving core compared to the Browns. The Jets' wide receivers are Brashad Perriman, Jamison Crowder, Chris Hogan. The Browns have Jarvis Landry, who I love, dependable wide receiver, catches everything, Odell Beckham Jr., and Hollywood Higgins. The tight end for the Jets is Chris Herndon. The Browns this offseason spent big money, brought in Austin Hooper from the Atlanta Falcons. They have David Njoku. Again, he's hurt. Uh, but in week one, he looked probably the best out of the Browns uh, in terms of offense. They invested... Um, you know, money on the offensive line, like I said, with Jedrick Wills, Jack Conklin. You have Joel Petonio. The Jets' offensive line, it is really bad. They have a rookie in Mekhi Becton at left tackle. Alex Lewis is left guard. Connor McGovern, uh, who I think they got from the Raiders a couple years ago as their center. Greg Van Roten is the right guard. And George Faint, who was an absolute bust for the Seattle Seahawks, is playing right tackle. So for the Baker Mayfield lovers who think he's you know, basically kind of got a short end of the stick. Baker Mayfield's not a, he's not a franchise quarterback. The biggest knock on Baker coming out of college was he's a one read quarterback. And what I mean by that is he looks at one read, one receiver. If the receiver's not open, he scrambles out of the pocket, gets happy feet and kind of looks around. You have to go through your progressions. You have to hit open receivers. The Browns are putting everything around you to be successful, and you're not. You're not. 
And to me, it's 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 a bad look. I think the Browns honestly need to look at a different quarterback this offseason, especially if the struggles continue. Now, they play the Bengals on Thursday. Um, I expect the Browns to win. Uh, Bengals had a tough loss uh, for anybody who didn't watch the game. I, honestly, that A.J. Green pass interference, uh, it was a good call. Um, but the Bengals, besides that, would have won if they didn't call that penalty. Um, yep. So I want to shift a little gears. Um, for anybody that's been paying attention to the uh, NBA playoffs, they had the uh, the top rating, actually, between Boston and the uh, Miami Heat, actually, was last Friday. Over 3 million people actually watched that game. It was the highest rating for a sporting event since the NFL draft. And for the president to come out and say, you know, nobody's watching sports. You know, nobody cares because of what's going on. Oh, people kneeling. Nobody wants to see that, blah, blah, blah. Hey, Mr. President, the NBA just had a record high for TV viewing since the NFL draft. Uh, for anybody that's interested, uh, Game 7 of the uh, Heat and Celtics is tonight. Uh, I'm really excited about it, to be honest with you. I think it's going to – I'm sorry. Game – one, excuse me, let me repeat this. Game one, Miami and Boston, 640 on ESPN. The game seven is actually Denver and the Clippers, which I think the Clippers will come out and win that. I think uh, Kawhi and Paul George will step up and get them uh, the victory. That Miami-Boston series, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, you got Jimmy Butler going up against Jason Tatum and uh, uh, Jalen Brown. Uh, I think that could be an interesting series. I hope Boston wins. I can't stand Jimmy Butler ever since he was with the Bulls. Uh, I'm not a Jimmy Butler fan. Um, I just I don't like his attitude. I think he's kind of a douche. Um, but I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, look at the baseball standings uh, for a minute. There's some teams that are out there that are playing really well that people are not talking about. Um, when you look at the divisions and who's on top of the division, it's kind of interesting. So the American League East, your division, the person at the top of the division right now is the Tampa Bay Rays. For people that don't know, the Tampa Bay Rays have the second lowest salary cap in Major League Baseball. Only the Marlins have less money spent on their team. Second in that division is the Toronto Blue Jays. So you have the Yankees, who are in third, and then the Boston Red Sox, who are in dead last, 17-31. and 31 who spend, those two teams, Boston and the Yankees, spend more money than almost anybody in baseball outside of the Dodgers. And they are in third and fifth place in their division. Um, in the American League Central, you got the White Sox, 31-16. Uh, you got the Twins, 30-19. The Indians, 26-21. And then the two teams that were expected to struggle in the American League Central, the Tigers and Royals, uh, they are struggling. Uh, with the Tigers being 2026, you got the Royals 2028. Um, you expected that from them. Um, and then you go to the American League West. Um, at the A's, they always have really good pitching. They're in first. Um, but then the rest of the division is kind of crap. You have the Astros under 500, the Mariners under 500, the Angels are under 500, and the Rangers are just terrible. Rangers are 17 30. Um, gonna switch in over to the National League. Uh, you got the uh, the Braves right now in first in the National League East, 28 and 20. Uh, the surprise, the Miami Marlins are actually 24 and 21. Again, they have the lowest salary cap in Major League Baseball, and they're over 500. That's pretty good for them. Uh, you got the Phillies, 23 and 23. 
You got the Mets, who actually just got a new owner in Steve Cohen. Uh, they're 21 and 26. And then the Nationals are 17 and 28. The Nationals, uh, coming off that World Series, might want to think about rebuilding. I think that Strasburg contract's not going to look good. Uh, they let Rendon go to the Angels, which I actually thought that was a good move. But they got to start looking at younger players. Uh, they got Juan Soto. Uh, the Nationals do. He's a pretty good hitter. Uh, but they got to look at other pieces. Um, they got to get younger, for sure, uh, for the Nationals. In the National League Central, uh, you got the Cubs in first, uh, 28 and 20. Uh, the Cardinals are 21 and 21. Uh, my Reds, uh, five and a half back in the division. They're 23 and 26. Uh, but they have won three in a row. Woo! Um, you got the Brewers, uh, 21 and 25. And then the crappy Pirates, 14 and 32. In the National League West, you got the Dodgers, of course. 33 and 15, highest payroll in baseball. Uh, the surprising um, San Diego Padres, who I didn't think would have enough pitching to do what they're doing, but they're actually playing well. They're 32 and uh, 17. And the rest of that division is kind of crap. The Giants, 23 and 24. Uh, the Rockies, 21 and 25, who I think they need to trade uh, Nolan Arenado uh, to get under that contract. So hopefully they'll be able to get him dealt. Uh, the Diamondbacks, who are struggling, 17 and 31. Uh, they're in last. But baseball, they got about two to three weeks left in the baseball season. Uh, then it's going to be concluded. Uh, it's I'm surprised, honestly, that baseball has been able to get as many games in as they have. Um, I think that's honestly why the NFL has not done a bubble. Uh, they saw baseball to where they didn't get in that many games uh, week in and week out. And I think the NFL was like, you know, if baseball can do it, we can get in. You know, each team can get in their game uh, once a week. So it shouldn't be a problem. So I think uh, baseball, I won't lie, I haven't watched as much baseball the last couple of years as I did previously. Uh, I follow the Reds, you know, what's going on in their minor league system, you know, what they're doing. But other than that, I don't watch a ton of baseball like I did before. Um, I used to be one of those people that would go to probably around seven to eight baseball games a year. Now it's about two to three. Um, it got to the point, honestly, to where the ticket office for the Reds would call me in the offseason and say, hey, do you want to do season tickets? Nope. Get all my tickets on TickPick. It's a lot cheaper. Uh, but the baseball season's kind of winding down. Uh, I'm curious to see the total ratings in baseball when the season ends, to see how they kind of competed, especially with the NFL starting back up. You got the NBA. Um, you got the MLS going on. Uh, the English Premier League actually just started this past weekend, uh, which I'm excited for. I watch a lot of soccer. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how baseball finishes. Um, looking forward to um, college football. Hopefully it gets a little bit better. Hopefully teams stop charging money to watch games on pay-per-view. Ridiculous. Um, excited for the NFL. My Cowboys, Dak. Dak Prescott looked like Kirk Cousins from a year, a couple years ago when he played for the Redskins. He's putting up a lot of yards. You know, making a couple throws, but ultimately not getting the victory. Dak, you got to work on that. Um, there was a rash of injuries in the NFL, which I talked about on previous episode. Uh, that's due to um, the offseason program being shortened. Uh, players aren't in as great shape as they were. Um, and the reason for that, uh, just to kind of talk about that towards the end of the show, the reason you're seeing a lot of injuries is because in the offseason when the NFL players are not like – in off-season training camp or anything like that. They're not working out. A lot of them aren't. So when they come in and you miss preseason, you miss a lot of camp, you're going to come in overweight. Um, your body's not going to be able to get used to, uh, you know, physical, being able to run as far, uh, tackling, things like that. So you develop a lot of cramping, a lot of injuries. 
Um, so there was definitely a lot of injuries going on in the NFL this past weekend. It's going to be something to kind of watch uh, as the season goes along. Of course, um, COVID's going to be uh, the big factor in all sports. Um, I did see where uh, in, in England, uh, the COVID cases have actually went up. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on if you're a soccer fan. Um, but it's, yeah, we'll see what COVID does. But uh, this is the Good Guy Grant podcast. And I appreciate you guys listening and enjoy the rest of your week.